of Music and Men is a scripted drama comedy series presented to you in a weekly storytelling podcast format. So you thought it was a book. Maybe you thought it was a short film. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe you thought it was a TV show. Well, all of that's kind of true. Somewhat. Let me explain. Back in 2012, I set out to create a television show about my life as a single young entrepreneur trying to establish an indie record company in Washington, D.C. I developed it, wrote the pilot. I did make a short film, so that's where you got that from. But the thing is, as you probably know, TV shows, even those no-budget ones, still require a whole lot of resources and people. Now, I know exactly what I want the TV show to be, but I believe that timing is everything, and trying to move forward before it's time would be a disservice to what I know will be a really awesome series someday. So I went another route. Now, the pilot script was recognized in a few very reputable industry contests. It's great. So knowing that it's more than a solid story worth telling, I made a short film. And then I turned that full season that I wrote, the 12 episodes of television scripts, turned them all into novellas, little booklets for each episode. So now I'm sitting on 12 little books, right? (laughs) So here we go. The podcast. It is a production, sometimes dramatic or comedic, of those episodes sectioned out into easily digestible weekly stories. So we follow a 20-something named Kenya Shaw as she works to build a record label while also, as a bachelorette, navigating perhaps the worst city in the country for single women. And who are we kidding? It's not exactly the place you expect when it comes to entertainment. I'm talking about our nation's capital, my hometown, Washington, D.C. So here's a little peek into episode one. Jazz Club. Sometime during one of the golden ages in music, an aspiring music mogul, who we'll just call Tom, fresh out of grad school, planted his feet firmly onto the yellow brick road, or better, the gum-stained asphalts we'll call the sidewalks of New York. Now, it wasn't long before Tom was embracing life in a quaint, overpriced Manhattan apartment. More nights out than in with the city that never sleeps. And embracing his new gig, as an A&R rep at, hmm, let's just call it Big Music Company. Those nights out on the town were actually part of the job as an A&R guy. Go to a few clubs, listen to a few voices. He was on the lookout for something with what he simply called, hmm, it. It could come in any form. Boy, girl, tall, round, any form. Of course, except old. He never worked with anyone over the age of 26. So let's say he found your typical cute, white, guitar-playing 19-year-old Joe Schmo on the stage in some dive bar getting panties thrown at him, literally and, of course, figuratively, but more so literally. Doesn't matter. If Tom liked him and thought he had 
it. Then he figured you'd like him. So he'd invite him back to his office, introduce him to a few other Toms like himself. Then he would offer him coffee or water, along with a recording contract. He may or may not say the exact words, Sign this. It's the only way anybody will care about your music. But that'd surely be what he meant. So, Joe Schmo, smitten by the idea of being a star, now has Big Music Company working for him with all of its money, its power, its respect, their job to make sure you not only know Joe Schmo, but that you buy Joe Schmo. For ages, this was just the way business was done. The proverbial blueprint to music success. That is, until technology changed everything. Making music no longer required millions of dollars, thousands of hours, hundreds of people. In fact, folks no longer even needed stores to sell or get a hold of it. So, after one album that achieved the sales equivalent of plastic rather than platinum, big music company would see absolutely no reason at all to continue working with a Joe Schmo. Because here's the thing, by the turn of the century, with just a few hundred bucks, a few hours, the help of a few friends, the same thing Joe signed his life over to big music company to do could be done out of an apartment. <laughs> in fact, with so much of the business being done in apartments, dorm rooms, and coffee shops, big music company eventually saw no reason to keep their offices staffed with so many Toms. Welcome to the age of digital supremacy. Vinyl records are more popular than ever, yet record stores are mere folkloric myth. And with that proverbial blueprint to doing business and music having long since crashed and burned, independent musicians continue to find ways to exploit their talent all by themselves. But to be successful, amateurs do need something, some kind of business or people or team of business people that can take care of all that other stuff while they're out there rapping and singing and playing all over the place, right? Now, if only there was such an infrastructure for this kind of thing. <laughs> Enter me. Equipped with a three-year-old laptop I just finished paying off three months ago, 300 square feet of my dad's basement, which I hijacked four years ago, which doubles as my home and my headquarters, armed with not much more than sheer will and a go-getter mentality. Now, believe it or not, I am Tom's dream. Now, back in the day, being signed to a record label would have meant that an artist had to sign their lives over to a big company. But today, this the three-year-old laptop, the 300-square-foot space, the girl with nothing but hustle, is the big music company. What Tom had, the money, the power, the team of other Toms imposing their will. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any of that. <laughs> no big office building either. I also don't have the luxury of being in the music city. And around here... <laughs> Lights are out, doors are locked, no, bolted shut by 2 a.m., so we can't claim to never sleep either. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you 
Washington, D.C. The White House, monuments, museums, memorials, politics, I know, I know. Not exactly what comes to mind when you think of music. In fact, I really don't have any of the things I need to make my job easy. Then again, whoever said it was supposed to be. Because here's the thing. I'm a 27-year-old kid from D.C. with no siblings who dropped out of college after just two semesters, so not exactly the subject of bragging for my parents. I don't have a degree. I don't have any money. I don't have a lot of connections. I don't have a team of people working with me in order to make my company, or me, successful. And depending on who you ask, I'm dealing with the wrong artists if I expect to see some success in this music business. Not to even mention, I'm probably in the wrong town for this kind of thing anyway. So I don't have a whole lot going for me. But what I do have is exactly what it takes to be great. The willingness to be wrong or embarrassed or misunderstood or disliked. The willingness to flat out fail and then turn over and get back up for more. I am going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm going to be bad at my job sometimes. I may not always be the ideal friend, the perfect daughter, or even the best partner. I'm going to hurt people sometimes, perhaps with negligence, never with malice. I'm going to give good advice and bad advice, and I'm going to suck sometimes at taking advice. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to have a hand in helping some of the most talented musicians reach the world with their music and become one of the most influential figures in the entertainment industry of my generation. But like I said, today, I'm just a girl from DC selling CDs and MP3s. It's like Little Miss Nobody. But someday, I'm going to be great. And this, this is the story of how I'll do it. Tune in every single week for these stories of music and men. 